Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumpacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. We are back after taking a slight break for the holidays, unannounced, but hey, you know, we're people just like everybody else. We need a little time. I am your host, as always, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Casey Bartley. And we're here to talk about the thrilling Music City Bowl, which saw Purdue be victorious 48-45 over the Tennessee Volunteers. And we're also going to look ahead at the Purdue men's basketball schedule as they reopen Big Ten play. They play Wisconsin the day this comes out, Monday, January 3rd. Uh, But first, Casey, the most important thing is you lost a bet recently uh, and you had to go to a Waffle House. You did a really good thing. Uh, You put some uh, information Mm -hmm. out there and you you asked some folks to raise money because these servers and cooks and everybody else at Waffle House was going to have to deal with you uh, for, you know, 12, 14, whatever hours, we weren't sure. Right. Um, how much money did you end up raising? Uh, it was somewhere close to $850, which okay. was and- awesome. I didn't do that much. Everyone else, you know, jumped in. We had the, obviously the raffle for the quarters that, that everyone wanted that sold out in like two hours. Um, yeah. I was lucky enough to get two of them for Christmas. Uh, shout out the girlfriend and the mother. And then, you know, we decided to give that away. And then there are plenty of people that just gave money for, you know, the staff for a pleasant holiday experience. So, right, right. So good job, Boiler Nation. Just to be clear, I was in no way giving you credit for any of that. Um, you know, you just came up with the idea. I, right. It, it's everyone else gets the real credit. Uh, so now you were going to do that at the day of the ball game. Uh, you had some some issues with travel and some issues um, with the health, uh, and wellness of everyone in the household, but you were able to kind of push it back and you were able to start it the day of the bowl game, just a little bit later than you wanted. Uh, but I understand we had to abort, uh, a few hours in and I'd wonder if you could enlighten me and just tell me the tale. 
Paint just, me a word picture, as they say. Yeah, I got there at like one thirty, which, you know, the original plan was 6 a.m. And then I changed it. It's like, all right, 8 a.m. since we got back literally the night before. So I'm like, I'll sleep in a little bit. But then, you know, we had had to talk to the doctors in the morning and like, OK, I can do this. Got there at one thirty. sat down. I guess this was my mistake. I I talked to my server who grabbed the manager and I was like, this is what we're doing. We got some money for you guys. I had two envelopes full of cash. And I'm like, you know, we raised some money for this. So I'm just going to be here eating waffles. I got my laptop. I got two phones with me. I'm like, it's, it's going to be fine. We're going to have fun. Uh, you know, I'll be well behaved. And it, the manager at first was a little iffy, like, mm, I don't, mm, I don't know. The so waitress, what did, did, did the manager say what her problem with it was? She just seemed like it, I, something that needed to be cleared. I think she was worried about someone being in the restaurant that long. Okay. Which, you know, I bartended for eight years. I get it. No one, you hear, Hey, I'm going to be I here for what, 12 hours. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's is, a little mm. bit different when the place sells yeah, alcohol. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no. And <laughs> so she was just like, I got to clear this. A couple of them had heard of the challenge before and they were a little excited about those prospects. So she got on the phone with her manager and she came back and was like, okay, we're clear. Um, I, it happened to happen after I paid for my first waffle with, you know, a 20, I think every waffle I had, I, I believe I paid or I tipped a 20 on top of the waffles after that, it seemed to uh, clear things up and like, yeah, we're good. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Money opens a lot of doors, especially yeah. at a waffle house. Yeah. And then I, you know, got the first waffle started eating. I ordered two for the first time, sat down and, you know, talking to the waitress a little bit and there were five people working. So I'm like, all right, how many people are working? Five. Cool. Here's five twenty. Give one to eat. And, you know, the cook comes out. Oh, cool. You know, cooks don't usually get tipped. I'm yeah, yeah. In Waffle House. So, you know, money starts to go around. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, this could be very good for us. Uh, I got there like an hour and a half before a shift. So that timing probably wasn't ideal because, you know, they're all there and out the door. I gave them a little more money. And all of a sudden, you know, it's two two hours in and I'm four waffles deep already regretting some choices right yeah how did you how did you feel after four waffles so i didn't feel it wasn't so i wasn't like stuffing myself early like you wanted me to do still think it's just you trying to make sure i was miserable so i wasn't miserable. no i think i still think if it were me i think that would be my strategy but i'm not we're not here to talk strategy we're here to talk what happened so what happened after that so i i ordered my fifth waffle and pretty much just as soon as it you know we're we're about a quarter into the game uh, Purdue has started by this point. You know, we're trailing, what, 21-7? Yes. Uh, I'm just starting my fifth waffle. Uh, we, I had been there at that point just over two hours. So I was on my two waffle an hour pace. And this, uh, you know, clean-dressed man walks in with a little zip-down zip sweater and a name tag. And it was, like, district manager. And he grabs a chair and kind of honestly standing there. And, like, before he even sits down, he's like... Hate to be Does the bad it, did, news here. Did he do? Did he do like the cool teacher or Captain America where he spun the chair backwards and like sat on it with his arms on the top of the chair? Like, hi guys, let's talk. <laughs> he definitely tried to carry out the vibe, but he just sat in it normal, kind of like cockeyed a little bit. So yeah, pulled it next to my table and sat down. He's like, hate to be the bearer of bad news, but gonna have to shut you down. Which case I was like, uh, what? Why? Because at that point, you know, I've been paying for every waffle as I've gone out. I had so five different or four different orders of waffles had been two hours, uh, an order of bacon, a coffee. And he's just like, "Mm, 
Um, free Waffle House, uh, you should have gone through corporate to clear this, uh, especially since you raised money for it and you're on the social media. So, did he say the social media? He didn't say the social media, but he did oh, say dang. social media. So, yeah, it wasn't much of a conversation. I, I'm like, so let me get this straight. I can't be here, even though I'm ordering stuff constantly. No. And paying for it. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, you know, everyone here is like making money, right? And they're... It is good to know that this is, what, 3.30 in the afternoon? There are four people in the Waffle House. Two people on shift and two people eating at a table besides myself and this man. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just like, so you're kicking me out. That's that's what I'm hearing because I didn't clear this with corporate. And he's like, yep. And he got up. Uh, he had a word with one of the people, walked out. And, you know, there was one waitress still hanging around that was working in the morning. And then the two new ones that came in and they were all just obviously cursing and furious because they knew they were in for a nice good day of making probably three to four times uh, what they normally make in a whole shift just from my table alone. So right. they were not happy at all, um, pretty much to the point where they were like, you stay here, order waffles as long as you want, which I get that's very nice, but. If it did that, I'm not going to get punished. They are. Right, yeah. And at this point, I know you and I were texting back and forth, mm-hmm. and uh, I had you call me. Yeah. I was I was really hoping to be able to pull the I'm a lawyer card and actually speak right. to this general manager guy, but you told me that he'd already gone um, because I'm very confused on what basis he was trying to throw you out because, as you said, you were in a restaurant, which is a public space. You were not trespassing in any way. You were ordering food, eating food, and paying for food. You know, it's not like if you've been paying attention to the news, there have been a lot of protests of uh, anti-vax folks or anti-mask folks who've just been going into restaurants, not ordering, and then trying to, like, not follow the rules of the restaurant. And then they get kicked out and get arrested. And um, whether you agree or not with the political stance, you have to understand, like, they're literally trespassing. They're just occupying a space in a restaurant. And being asked to leave, and they don't leave, so then they get arrested. You, on the other hand, were literally a customer at a restaurant, eating the food and paying and tipping very well, might I add. Uh, and yeah. and you were asked to leave, so it just blows my mind. And I was really hoping to talk to the guy, but apparently he, like you said, he kind of just gave you the information and got the hell out of there. So I was very disappointed in that. It's just strange, right? Like, yeah, it makes no sense. The downside. It's not like I'm on Twitter, like. I didn't even mention how sticky the booth was, which it was really sticky. I Well, I think when you tell someone you're going to a Waffle House, I think it's understood that the, wa- the, that the booth is going to be sticky. Yeah. It's just a matter of how much. So at this point, you know, you and I had our conversation um, and, you know, you were like, what, what do you think I should do here? I've got this money. It's not my money. I got to, you know, I told everybody who I raised it from that I would give it to the staff. Um and I advise you to talk to Travis since, you know, he was the one who you made the bet with. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure what happened in that conversation. Do you uh, can you share details of what you all decided to do? I mean, he wasn't worried by any stretch of even about the bet or anything. So it, it was mostly we had a conversation where I'm like, here's my idea. And this is the one I pitched you. I got this money. It was meant for the servers. The servers shouldn't get screwed out of this money because waffle house as a company sucks so i'm just gonna throw this money on the table walk out of here we'll figure out another we'll figure out another punishment somewhere else food longevity wise and just kind of call it quits for a day but you know we raise that money for them so they should at least get something it's shitty enough to know you work for a place that doesn't want you to succeed or yeah you know make money or have something enjoyable happen to you all because yeah I, I, I mean I, mm. 
like, like you said, I am sure the servers and the, and the cooks who are getting this money and see this GM guy come in and tell you to leave were just enraged. They were. Um, because, uh, I mean, you know, the ones who had known about what the Waffle House Challenge is, you know, staying in there for 24 hours with an hour knocked off for every waffle, were probably like, this guy's going to be here a while and he's going to keep tipping like this the whole time. Maybe I'll, you know, maybe I'll see if I can just stay another shift or, you know, whatever. Cause the you, people at Waffle House, and as a general rule from when I've been to a Waffle House, not huge tippers. No, it's um, not a great, like, you know, it's. I was the, there you know, half an hour before there was some kind of com- like customer confrontation with the staff. Right. So, um, I, I'm sure they were just really upset and, and it sucks for them. Uh, because it, it would have been great for them to, you know, just hang out and watch. And like you said, the, the cook came up and talked to you and give them a little bit of a story and give them that money that um, I'm sure was going to help them out a lot. But like you said, you gave them the money. Yeah. Um, did you did you have a conversation with him when you kind of like dropped off these envelopes of cash or how did that go? Yeah, I mean, there wasn't really anyone else there. So it was kind of just us in this corner talking like, I, I feel bad for you guys. This sucks. This could have been, you know, something cool for you guys. Some little different you know uh, you know boiler nation raised all this money it's it's not for me it wasn't for waffle house it's for you guys and pretty much just like i don't want you guys to get screwed because your bosses suck so here's the money enjoy it have a good day root for purdue there you go uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just it's unfortunate because it's so easy not to screw up uh, yeah that is yeah. a kind of like if you're a company why wouldn't you want that goodwill why wouldn't why wouldn't you want this to be like something synonymous with, you know, just, oh, this cool event happened here at a Waffle House. It's called the Waffle House Challenge. It's free advertising. It, yeah. it, it blew my mind. Yeah, and it and the challenge itself does not reflect poorly in any way on Waffle House. Um, it's just, it happens to be a restaurant that's open 24 hours. But that's big and, waffles. Yeah, and big waffles. And if you're going to go to a restaurant for 24 hours... I mean, you, you really don't have that many options where it's going to be open around the clock with the dining room open around the clock. Yeah. So uh, this is one of the few places you can do that. So, you know, yeah. if you and if you and Travis come up with um, an alternative, obviously, we'll l- let folks know. But, you know, before we move on, um, I have one last thought. And then it sounded like you had one more as well. But I just want to thank everybody out there who, you know, threw in some money, mm-hmm. uh, donated to the cause, because as Casey said at the top, you know, this isn't something that him, I, Casey, or Casey, Travis did any of us, you know, this was about the folks who, who donated the money and made a, a holiday for these folks uh, a little bit better. And I, I just think it's really cool to see Boiler Nation come together and um, have a little fun with something and, you know, related to a bowl game, related to Purdue football. And it's just another thing that has really made this year of Purdue football um, a lot different than than years past, and I and I think that's really cool. So, Casey, it sounded like you had had something else you wanted to add. Yeah, just just to big of that for a second. We've got this nice little niche pocket cut out, you know, on the Twitterverse where we've got this nice little circle of Purdue people, and to see them raise money and give money like that was really cool. So, yeah, we thank you for that. Also, ordering the uh, waffles extra crispy is the key to the challenge. Okay, and. Uh, the first dude who I ordered the first two waffles with hooked me up. It was perfect, crisp. But damn, from there on out, they were not crispy, and they were getting a little battery. And I thought I was going to oh, die. Oh yeah, the ba- you, you it, are it was... right. I mean, I I didn't even think of of how to order them, but I think if you do get the like the middle of the waffle, or the waffle soggy. gets like doughy and soggy, soggy just yeah. tastes like batter. Then 
not only do you have a bad taste in your mouth, but that's going to sit a little heavier, I bet. Yeah, so it was going to be it was going to be a long day because second cook uh, seemed a little afraid of burning him. I would <laughs> I would have rather taste ash. Rather have a burned, yeah. Rather have had ash. All right, well. That was it sounds like that was your setting for maybe the first half uh, of the Purdue football yep. game. I missed most of the second quarter. Okay. Well, you missed a good quarter then. Yes. Uh, because in that second quarter, Tennessee was held to zero points while Purdue uh, put 16 on the board. Um, just in general, I mean, this was one of the most exciting Purdue bowl, bowl games. Bowl games are great, Ledman. Yeah, Love the bowl. Look like, Go bowl games. <laughs> like you and I have always said, there the should best. be more bowl games. <laughs> Um, Everyone should experience this. You should play a bowl game until you win a bowl game. Yes, they should just whittle it down. Um, I mean, it it was one of the most exciting Purdue bowl games uh, in recent memory. Obviously, you know, when the game started out and Purdue down 7-0 real quick and then ultimately 21-7 at the end of the first quarter, I I think I speak for a lot of Purdue fans when I was having flashbacks of the Music City Bowl, Purdue versus Auburn from a few years ago when – Purdue just got their doors blown off. So uh, feeling a little bit of that deja vu there, but fortunately it didn't come to be. And, you know, AOC didn't have his best game, uh, turned the ball over three times in pretty big spots. But ultimately, you know, 26 of 47, an amazing 534 yards and five touchdown passes, um, just cementing him as, oddly enough, like one of the better quarterbacks in Purdue history like this season has been one of the better at least statistically speaking uh seasons from a from a Purdue quarterback and it's just crazy that uh AOC has built him in himself into this um Casey do you have any like big top top line um things that hit you from this game I I mean like you said that that's Drew Brees stat line all the way down to the three interceptions like that's what Brees did he would he would make some unbelievably just why are you throwing that passes and then like a video game be able to make enough plays later on to make up for but i think the thing we did see is the kind of magic of that you can only really get from a postseason game when all eyes are on you this is the final narrative of the season and you've got a receiver out there third fourth fifth receiver starting in the year depth chart yeah and he goes out seven receptions, 217 yards, two TDs. He leaves the game on crutches. Every time he was tackled, every time he had the ball, it was painful to watch him get oh, up yeah. from the ground. He needs two knee surgeries this offseason. Uh, Brock Thompson was unbelievable. That play by Payne Durham. What 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 is the Volunteers doing? He's just standing there know. and they're letting him spin. And then all of a sudden just, he's lumbering up the field and no one can catch him. And then I'm like, oh, he's going to fumble. They're going to knock it out from behind. They can't even do that right. Yeah, uh, I mean, on, on that on that Payne Durham play, I don't know how he wasn't tackled. They had three guys on him uh, nearly immediately. They just kind of like touched him. And like one guy was just standing there thinking the other two were going to tackle him. He somehow breaks free. And then, like you said, just one of the slowest touchdowns I, I've ever seen in my life. I don't know how these Tennessee guys didn't catch him because, you know, Payne Durham is a big guy and he is not known for being fast. So as he's lumbering, lumbering down the sidelines, I'm like, oh, well, he's going to get tackled at the 10 or the five. And then he slows down to stiff arm the guy behind him. Just put, I thought he was going to fall. How does he not fall? He's dropped every big ball this well, year. And then you see the other Tennessee guy come around to Durham's right because I believe he was stiff arming uh, yeah. the guy with his four left yards arm. behind him. Yeah. So the other Tennessee guy comes up behind him 
and he's doing the, you know, the big swing punch back out. and try to punch out. Uh, and somehow Durham held on and, and scored that touchdown. And it was just, uh, it was wild. I mean, some of the plays in this game were just unreal. Um, you know, the fourth quarter alone had 29 points scored. Um, and every, every point seemed like it was going to be the game winner. Uh, and then the other team got the ball and just drove right down and scored. Defense was optional in that fourth quarter. It was optional, but at the same time, any time a defensive play did need to be made, Purdue came up with some big stops. I yeah, mean, the that fourth is and one, like, our guys were still swarming at the end of the se- end of the uh, game, even though those guys were tired, tired, just yes. There, there was yeah. that stretch at the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth, where Tennessee just, you know, they're trying to run a play every five seconds, and then you're just watching. Every play someone on Purdue defense got hurt. Were they tired? Were they hurt? I don't know. That field didn't look safe. We're playing, you know, barely have anyone left on the roster. A lot of them were hurt. I mean, you, you could tell the hip was bothering. Uh, was it Alexander? Yeah. Yeah, Jalen Alexander. Alexander the whole time because he just got that dead hip. And just what a brutal game. The, the, the field was about as good as Wrigley. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't think like, any field will ever be as bad as that Wrigley field. But, yeah, I mean – you could see people slipping. They were talking about it on the broadcast. You know, they were down on the field um, showing it at one point how slippery it was and, and how the footing was so bad. And, I mean, I mean, I, I have to admit that a lot of those injuries for Purdue were probably, you know, the, a guy's just tired because the offense that Tennessee runs is just so strange. And it's unlike any other, any other offense that Purdue saw this year. You know, so those defensive players are are running, getting up, getting down, trying to get set. And I, I'm sure some of those are just like, OK, if I just lay here, they'll call an injury timeout and I can catch my breath. You know, I've got to get off the field for a play, but ultimately it'll it'll work in our favor. So uh, I'm sure uh, a handful of those, if not more, were, you know, strategic. But it, you, you kind of have to do what you got to do sometimes. And, um, you know, some of those were real injuries. You know, players were hurting, like you said, but. Uh, I guess, you know, it was a tactic that they had to use and ultimately it, it did work for them. I want to point out, you you know, you mentioned Purdue made stops when it mattered. I was just shocked with the last drive of regulation from Tennessee. So it they had the ball at the end of the game with a chance basically to, to win the game. Ball Game was tied 45-45 at that point. And they, they have 44 seconds. They take over. They do a couple runs. They do a, a short pass. And then... It's uh, second and three at the Purdue 42, and they throw a deep ball incomplete. Third and three. Again, still on the Purdue 42. More than that. Second and three with what, 38 seconds left on the clock? Um, Second and three at that point, it says 18. By the time they got another playoff. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So the the first. They had three timeouts, and they ran eight yards and didn't call a timeout. Yeah. Which makes no no sense. sense. No sense. They went, I mean, they, they used one timeout. Uh, with with seven seconds to go after the third and three. And it's like, what was the point of all this? They they weren't putting themselves in position to make an easier field goal. Uh, they were just going for deep ball after deep ball, hoping that they would hit on one, which in fairness to them, they, they'd done a number of times. I mean, that's how Purdue fell behind 21 to seven because we were missing so many players in that secondary. But with the game on the line and all you need is a field goal, you've got to at least think, I've got to put my kicker in a position to make this one, but they just seemed intent on getting a long ball and wasting wasting time. And then with with 
you know, one play left, they went for it. Uh, they went for the field goal, uh, <laughs> missed it, and that was that was regulation, and Purdue won it in overtime. Yeah, Tennessee I mean, it, has it was to astounding. have just maybe the most embarrassing fan base. Uh, oh, south, they were terrible. South of Bloomington, they were terrible. Uh, just that game is entirely on their coach. They should. If you're going to run it there on first down, fine. Call a timeout, and then you know what you do? You run it the next time because Purdue hadn't been able to stop it. And right. then the clock stops, and you go ahead and run your fade route after you're in field goal. Well, but they even, didn't do that. I mean, even if you if you run it on second down, you get the first down, run up real fast, spike the ball, regroup, save your timeouts in case you want to run like a crossing pattern or a slant or something because if you're tr- if all you need is a field goal to win the game – why are you just taking deep shots? I, I don't understand. None of it, it made, made sense. no sense to me. So yeah, yeah just, uh, just, I, uh, Brom definitely outcoached him. Uh, yes. Th- that's just not how you manage late game situations. Uh, no. just embarrassing performance by the coaching staff. Yeah. Yeah. And of course we, we can't really talk about this game unless we talk about, uh, the overtime. So, you know, the score 48, 45 at the end. So obviously Purdue was the only team to score in overtime, won it on a, uh, Finneran field goal. He was three for three, uh, I believe, on the day. So uh, no bad mouthing our kicker this week. He is returning next year. He's already said that. Um, so hopefully uh, it'll be nice to have a kicker we can count on. I know he was a little rocky there toward the middle of the year, uh, but he seemed to correct it as the year went on. So uh, glad to have him back. He was next four year. of four. Oh, four of four. Sorry about that. I was looking. I'm looking at the play-by-play, so I was out of the box score. So four of four. Uh, my apologies, Mr. Finneran. <laughs> uh, so of course. You know, in in college overtime, it's so important to get the ball second because you want to know what your offense has to do. Mm -hmm. So Purdue wins the toss. They, of course, go on defense first. And again, terrible coaching by Tennessee. They they get to the Purdue 16. It's third and one. And they they run the ball, which is a fine call. I have no problem with the call. Purdue stops them. They lose a yard. It's fourth and two. But rather than kicking a field goal and, you know, getting some points on the board, they go for it. Uh, they did get it. Uh, I don't mind had, that call. Oh, see, that to me, like, you got to know that you're going to get points. So you, here, here's here's the problem. If you if you kick the field goal, I, I don't, you couldn't trust that Tennessee defense to keep Purdue out of the end. You couldn't trust either defense to keep the other team out of the end zone. Uh, Tennessee was moving the ball on Purdue. All night, they have an athletic quarterback. You go for four. You go for four. Okay, but hear me out. If you you're you're the Tennessee coach, you watch Purdue. Their kicker is already three for three, and you start you know overtime. You start at the twenty five yard line, meaning it's about a forty two yard field goal. And if you know the Purdue kicker can hit that, then you're you have to assume that Purdue is going to at least get three points. So why put yourself in a position as Tennessee did? to go for it on fourth and two when if you get stopped because you're you, going to lose if Purdue scores a touchdown. Well, of course, but you're you're going to you're probably going to lose if you get no point. You know, you can guarantee that. So, I don't know if they just have no faith in their kicker or if like you said, they were just no faith in their defense at that point. I mean, it was 45-45 going into overtime. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't think you could count on either defense to say, "Oh yeah, field goal will be enough. We'll hold him." Yeah. I mean, that's and, fair. And they moved the ball. Like, they had over 600 yards of offense. It's not like in Purdue's defensive line, the whole thing I just... By the way, Alexander had 19 tackles. Yes, he was all 19. over the place. Um, and, and he did he did announce uh, after the game, 
uh, that he will be declaring for the NFL draft. So that was the last time we'll see Jalen Alexander. And, you know, for him, he's probably the exception to what we talked about, uh, about bowl games not really mattering for players. I mean, he, he played one hell of a game, and I think a lot of NFL teams will maybe look at this and say, this is what this guy's capable of. And he probably really helped himself come NFL draft time. NFL likes Purdue linebackers. Yeah, it is true. It's true. I mean, uh, Marcus Bailey started today for the Bengals, so uh, good good for him. And maybe uh, maybe it'll show that a guy like uh, Jalen Alexander can do the same once he gets into the league. Yeah, but regardless, they went for it and fourth down, got it, and then obviously the goal line play. Yeah. Which so everyone I mean, lost their freaking minds about. Even you right. thought it was a touchdown. I did think it was a touchdown. It wasn't well, because- a touchdown. Listen, when they, you know, and I'm still, honestly, I'm still confused as to what exactly the call was, and I'll tell you why. So, for those that didn't see it, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast if you haven't seen this play. Uh, It was fourth and goal. They go for it again, try to get the touchdown. Um, Jalen Wright was the runner uh, for Tennessee. He gets stuffed at about the one-and-a-half or two-yard line. Um, Two Purdue players are just you know, trying to drag him down. His his momentum and forward progress seems to be stopped. You can see the that line. Seems good. To be. It was stopped. I'm, I'm talking about in live action when you see it the first time. You see the line judge running in, you know, waving it off as if it's not a touchdown. And then all of a sudden you see another Tennessee guy just kind of like pulling him into the end zone. And you see Wright stretch out his arm and the ball, you know, goes beyond, breaks the plane of the end zone. And they showed on replay, and I, I mean, I tweeted, oh, shit, that's a touchdown. Wasn't a touchdown. Because that's what it looked like, but it... Didn't look like a touchdown. <laughs> well, here's my question. They reviewed it, but Indeed. ultimately, ultimately, they're not allowed to review forward progress. So was forward, So was forward progress not called as dead, and then they reviewed something else? Or what exactly were they reviewing? Because if indeed it was a forward progress call, you can't review that. Pretty much they went under the guise of a review, except during the review, I'm assuming they either saw the referee or talked to the referee who said, I called called progress dead, even before the whistle. You know, they were playing it where they were listening to the whistle. I don't know why you don't whistle when you do that. Right. I, college officiating is stupid, but. In many ways, yes. He was clearly stopped. Yes. Yeah. And if anything, this was a boneheaded play by the Tennessee guy who for some reason was protecting the ball. It's fourth down. He right. should have made that lunge with the ball right away. There was no reason to hold it. And he no. got clearly stopped for over a second, at least. A good while stopped. And then the Tennessee player from the end zone pulled him forward, which is illegal. Yes. It's a flag. Yeah, which, which everyone and their brother pointed out on Twitter, uh, you know, like here on, on page whatever of the NCAA football rule book, which it's it's so strange that you can push a guy forward, but you can't pull him forward. Uh, I don't. Um, I mean, it kind of makes sense because the whole point of the offense is to push from your I mean, side I forward. I guess. Uh, but either way. Um, and so I actually saw some Tennessee guy. He made the argument. Well, even if it was a penalty, then we would have gotten the ball back and gotten another try. It's like no time no. would have expired. It's an <laughs> yeah, it's offensive like, penalty. Well, I mean, it would have been a turnover on down. Oh, and because it was like, no, what? That wouldn't make any sense. Why would an offensive penalty give them the ball back if it occurred like on fourth down? And it makes no sense. So in his mind, it was either Purdue accepts the penalty and they get a second chance or we decline the penalty and it's a touchdown, which 
made no it sense. Is, to me. It is how it works. Like, if it was a holding call and they score a touchdown, you well, have yes. to accept the penalty and it replays. Right. But I don't know if that penalty is a loss of down. Yeah, I believe it would is. have to be a loss of down. Probably. So, um, it's, I mean, because otherwise, why would you not just, you know, do that any time in that situation, earn yourself another down? That's but, uh, I mean, it, the, the internet just erupted. I mean, you had every national, um, every national writer was talking about it. All the, you know, big name college football analysts were talking about it. That jackass from Outkick, uh, was talking about it. And you actually, one of the, uh, rule experts who, you know, they always bring on and like, what do you see here? Um, tweeted about it and said, you know, they, they called progress. It doesn't matter. So, uh, I mean, ultimately, ultimately, that's what it was. The line judge said his forward progress was stopped, which it was, and <laughs> which it was. And once that's done, you can't review it. Uh, turnover on turnover on downs. Purdue got their shot um, and played very conservatively. I think smartly so because they yeah. knew they only needed a field goal. Um, and and Finneran got it done. They only ran four plays. Um, and Finneran, you know, kicked it right through the uprights. Purdue wins 48-45 and finishes the season. An astounding, astounding nine and four. Um, I think if you would go back in time to the beginning of the season and tell Casey and I that this Purdue team would finish nine and four with a bowl game victory over an SEC team, uh, we would have laughed in your faces. Yeah, I would have challenged you to a Waffle House. Party. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it, just an astound. I mean, just an astounding season, an astounding turnaround from where we were at the start of the year when. Everything seemed to be going so wrong, um, and you know we we gave Jeff Brom a lot of crap at the beginning of the year, and I think rightfully so. I still stand by those comments. Um, I think he coached some very bad games. I think the way he played, the way he coached at that Notre Dame game, um, was not very good. And it's just whatever happened when the offense switched to AOC really turned this team around. Um, and and more importantly, I guess kudos to. The, the folks he hired in the offseason on the defensive staff because they really turned that defense around. Um, I guess the co-co-co-coordinators uh, were really the thing that this team needed. So kudos to him for hiring the right folks and getting this whole thing turned around. Yeah, it was. I didn't expect that the bowl game would make me feel so much different about next season. And yeah. it really did. It is hard not to be excited about most of this group coming back and what Brom can do with O'Connell as his actual quarterback throughout the whole offseason. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is the kind of offense and the kind of scoring that we hoped for when we hired Jeff Brom. This is what we wanted out of him to begin with. So to see it come together as the season, uh, you know, grew and went on and then to see it come to kind of fruition in that bowl game, it does make me really excited for next year. And it has been a while since I've been uh, this excited going into an offseason for Purdue football. So uh, kudos to Jeff Brom, and uh, I'm really looking forward to see what this team can do uh, coming next year. So, uh, is there anything else? You, there you go. Is there anything else you want to say about the bowl game or the football team in general before we take a break? Nah, just a nice, gritty, what a likable team. Uh, yeah, incredible. A couple. The one thing that makes bowl games worth it is just these incredible performances, memories, and we hadn't really had one from football for a while, so it was nice to, you know, down to the wire, just everyone coming up with plays so yeah it was a good moment it was another yeah. good boilermaker athletic moment to end yep. the season. yeah and i know the you know the foster farms bowl which purdue won their last bowl game just the one just before the uh music city bowl last time uh, but it wasn't the same stakes it wasn't really the same kind of situation so I, I think most people would agree that this win was a lot a lot better so 
that'll wrap up football. Um, we're still hoping to find a time to get Kyle on to talk recruiting um, and kind of look at what has come in in the transfer portal. So hopefully we'll get that scheduled real soon. But for now, we're going to take a break and we will be back to look ahead to Purdue men's basketball against Wisconsin. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we are back to talk about Purdue men's basketball. Uh, we obviously, you know, have didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to the games against Incarnate Word or Nichols. I mean, I know we talked about the Incarnate Word game here on the podcast, um, but Purdue uh, victorious in their last two games, and uh, they only had two games in the since December 20th. So hopefully the team is nice and rested. Caleb first missed the uh, most recent game due to uh, we assume uh, COVID protocols, and uh, we have not heard his status for the upcoming game against Wisconsin. And Wisconsin had their own COVID problem recently as their game against George Mason on December 23rd was canceled. Uh, but they were able to play their most recent game against Illinois State on the 29th. So seemingly there are no problems anymore there. Um, as number 24 Wisconsin will come into Mackey Arena today, Monday, January 3rd, to face the Purdue Boilermakers, who are still sitting at number three. So this is going to be a 7 p.m. tip. Casey? Uh, what can you tell me about this Wisconsin Badger team who is 10 and 2 and 1 and 1 in Big Ten play so far? You know how last week I came on here and said it'd be a great test because we got to watch how we got to watch Ty Jordan, a guard who's really good at scoring, attack our uh, attack our defense, which has struggled. Yes. And, especially on the limited defense. And then, you know, we gave up 29 points to him. Yeah. So we're going to play one of the best guards in the. In the country, definitely in the Big Ten, and Johnny Davis. Yeah. Problem is, he's not small like Jordan. He's 6'5", uh, long, athletic, really attacks north to south to the hoop, and can shoot. So we struggle with Jordan. We're probably going to struggle with Davis as well. And this Davis-Ivy matchup is going to be one of the best guard-on-guard matchups of the year in the Big Ten. They are both NBA-quality players. They are both big-time athletes, great size, guys who are pretty much, well, for Johnny Davis, he is the entirety of Wisconsin's offense. 
Wait, you mean Brad? You mean you're you're? I think you're mixing up the Nichols guy and the Wisconsin guy. Johnny Davis? Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Sorry. Never mind. Go ahead. Continue. <laughs> yeah, good idea. I was looking at Davison from Wisconsin. I thought you were telling me you thought he. I was like, wait a minute. What the hell did I? I don't remember. Uh, Johnny Davis is, you know, similar to Ivy. Uh, came on as a freshman. Didn't have a ton of work with the offense for Wisconsin last year. Was able to kind of be more of a a bit player, but big time talent. Can score from all three levels. Really good athlete. Great body. He's very very strong. Sophomore this year. Now he is the entirety of their offense. He's you know. 31.7 uh, percentage of the possessions are finished with the ball in his hand or him dishing out an assist or a turnover. He's taking 33% of the shots for the Badgers when he's on the floor. That he is a is, lot. He is their offense, and he can score at all three levels. Really like the way that he attacks the basket and gets to the hoop. Uh, one of the better players at getting to the free throw line. And, yeah, he is just uh, – he's probably going to be the best player that we've seen to this point in the season. And it looks like he's playing a uh, boatload of minutes, too. Uh, Average is 34 minutes a game. But if you look at the splits away from home, he uh, averages 36 minutes a game. So he is going to be out there for the vast majority of the time. So he's going to be a uh, sounds like a big matchup challenge for Purdue. Um, do you expect Jaden Ivey to guard him, or do you think that assignment is going to fall to somebody else? So that was kind of the thing with Gordon last game is Ivy kind of got that matchup for a lot of it. I, I was kind of surprised by that. Um, but yeah, I definitely expect Ivy to go on him because Hunter and Thompson don't have the size for it, and you're not going to put Stavanovich on it. If anything, I would expect Gillis to get some Davis. Okay. Because Davis is a guy who really wants to come at you. Uh, he's not a great shooter. He's 34% from three. Good, dangerous, but not not incredible. But he is really strong. Really gets into the paint well. Uh, doesn't mind going left. Uh, he's got a really nice crossover, really nice pump and fake and drive. And once he gets in the lane, he's really good at drawing your body into him and him fighting through it. So Ivy's athleticism and size is going to be important. Really hope he doesn't, you know, if he's lackadaisical at all off the ball. Johnny Davis is really good at cutting, getting to the lane. And then if you're a half second late on a drive, he's going to get contact and he's probably going to draw a foul. And, you don't want Ivy to get in foul trouble because yeah. you're guarding him. But uh, I haven't seen enough from Hunter or Thompson this year to think either of those two guys are going to draw much time on Johnny Davis. So I expect it to be Ivy, Newman, maybe some Morton, even though we've seen Morton struggle with stronger guys. Though I do like the way he stays in front of people and his length can be a problem. But Davis is definitely a guy, same way that Harper got into Morton by just drawing into the middle, using his strength to create space and hitting that mid-range jumper. Davis has that kind of game. He could do that to Morton too. So I would expect Ivy, Newman, maybe some Gillis, maybe some Morton. I okay. wouldn't expect our point guards to come at him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because, you know, as we've said innumerable times on this podcast, at this point the, the point, point guard play for Purdue is not really our strength, um, and, and that goes defensively as well. So uh, hopefully we can cobble uh, together a couple guys who can be thrown at Davis to kind of slow him down. Um you know, Wisconsin is is a strange team because they've always been so good. They for the last I think like seemingly since Bo Ryan was there. I mean he's not there anymore, but the the consistency has really continued. Um, you know they're they're always tough to play for Purdue. The Cole Center used to be a house of horrors for Purdue, but um, it kind of 
Purdue went on a bit of a streak there, and it's not as bad anymore. Luckily, this game is being played in Mackey. Um, I'd really like to see the Purdue defense step up, um, especially from the perimeter, because they're, I mean, they're allowing teams like Incarnate Word and Nichols to just shoot lights out seemingly from three. Uh, and we talked about it a little bit in the group chat, how um, the, the three-point defense for Purdue has really just been the thing that's let them down. Um, do we have any idea why that is? Um, I know if you listen to Painter, he'll talk about how uh, you know they're playing the percentages. They're letting these guys who don't have great shooting percentages shoot the ball um, and focusing on other things because ultimately it'll balance out. Um, but do you think that is the case, or is it just is, is Purdue lazy getting to shooters? What is going on there? A big part of it is definitely that is our philosophy. If someone is dribbling in any semblance of a dangerous position, maybe even not dangerous position, we help off with our other guards. We trust that shooting in college basketball is not really good enough to consistently kill you. That's changing the more, you know, talent and shooting becomes a priority. I I think there are little things that we do that just drive me crazy and that there's no excuse for. Um, Opposition corner threes where the ball's almost on the other side and you're not really... We ask a lot of our off-ball defenders to come down and, you know, cut off cutters in the paint. We double a lot, so we need them to be you know, that inside position to cut off an easy hoop. But a lot of times we just get caught in no man's land where our guy is three, like two steps towards the paint, three steps away from his guy, not helping inside and leaving an open corner three. Uh, We saw that quite a bit with Nichols. And that's something that we need to sharpen up. You either need to be aggressively double and helping somewhere, or you need to know where your guy is and you have to be able to get back to that's, that's effort and that's smartness and that's knowing where the threat is. And part of it is just, yeah, I, we don't have great defenders on the perimeter. We, we just don't. And at times I think we overcorrect helping on drives and leaving shooters open because I don't, that for the longest time, that was the way to play defense. And now I think we need to catch up a little bit to where we need to let guys try to beat us at the rim. Let Edie rim protect, let Trey use some of his hands to stop things, but we can't, we, we can't keep playing defense like this. Our last two games were, what, Nichols and Incarnate Word, and we've dropped from a top 20 defense to we are now 60th in Ken Palm. Yeah, I feel like leaving shooters open is a bad idea, uh, and the less we do of that, the better. So uh, three-point shooting percentages of Purdue's opponents is going to be something that I think we have to watch throughout the entire season. It does seem to be a weak spot for our defense you know, for whatever reason, whether it's what you said or, you know, maybe Painter is fine with it uh, based on what he always says about those percentages, like I mentioned earlier. But, you know, it's nerve wracking as as a fan of the team, as you see guys who normally hit, you know, 27, 30 uh, percent, shoot 35, 40 percent on the game. Uh, it really can be frustrating. So hopefully that is something that they can tighten up a little bit as we go into a really tough January for this Purdue team. So, um Casey, is there anything else we need to know about Wisconsin uh, as they head into Mackey Arena today on the 3rd? Davidson is still there somehow. <laughs> just being annoying. I believe he's 36 years old. Him and him and oh, Anthrop are probably the same age. I, he's still there. He's still doing the same things. Um, I will say, I think it's very important that we get first back for this game because Wisconsin has a lot of guys that are his build, his athleticism, only they're just not as good. Yeah, yeah, first kind of looks like your stereotypical, mm-hmm. like, Brian Butch or right. Kravinoff or somebody else from Wisconsin who just drives opponents mad. Yeah, except he's just better. Well, we hope. We hope long-term he'll be better, yeah. So, it 
because Gillis, you know, he's thick and he's strong and he plays big, but he does give up some size. And they have a couple legit seven footers, but that that's where our strength is. We watched Trey Williams as a true freshman just carve up Ethan Happ. Yeah. So th- this this Wisconsin team doesn't do a whole bunch really. They are disciplined and they play smart. And Johnny Davis is really good, and Davidson, you know, has every trick in the bag. Uh, but they don't have a bunch of guys that are going to break you down. They don't rebound on the ball well. Our big guys should be able to eat, and I think that's – it'd be nice to have first there, but I think Edie and Trey will, as they are on most nights, going to be the difference in this one to keep it from really being that scary of a game. Yeah, yeah. Davidson is a bit like that old guy you see playing pickup at the park you're like, oh, this guy can't be any good. And then he's been playing for so long that he has like all the moves and he's just sneaky good. And you're like, how is this guy still good? He's like 50. Uh, but he's, you know, he's wearing those old New Balance shoes that he mows the lawn in. Uh, but he he really is. He's out there grinding. So uh, that's the kind of player Davison is. So uh, hopefully we can slow him down a bit uh, and send him off to the retirement home. So um, I think that'll about do it. For us this week, I know uh, probably a little bit longer than normal, but it's always fun to talk about Waffle House, and we had to enjoy the victory over Tennessee. Man, those fans on Twitter were just so rude. Uh, just and but I do want to say one more thing. So when the matchup was announced, I mean, you would be amazed at the number of uh, Tennessee fans who jumped in the Hammer and Rails uh, mentions, saying how they were so mad that they had to play Purdue because it was not going to do anything for their program and sure they were only 7 and 5 in the SEC but Purdue would have been you know 3 and 9 in the SEC blah 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 They weren't wrong about it not helping their program. Yeah, that is true. They were right there. But I mean, you the the number of crickets from those same folks. It's a lot of smack talk game. for a program that begged to have our coach. Yes. Yeah, it's a really and they interesting get turned turnaround. Down. turnaround. Yeah, so uh it was really sweet, a really nice victory over those uh those arrogant Tennessee fans. So uh, I really enjoyed that, and it really was nice to to shut up an SEC fan base. So there you have it. Uh, we will look forward to uh, watching Purdue take on Wisconsin, and we will be back. Oh, with hey, I, I have oh. A, a trivia to leave oh, us no. on. Oh, what no. do you think Jaden Ivan's shooting from three right now? Are you talking about just this season or Three-point percentage this year. Uh, he's been really, really good. Uh, I'm going to say 48%. All right, you're a little high, 45 Oh, I mean, you know, not bad. 45%. That's his weakness. That's yeah. the one thing he can't do. Yeah. I mean, he's he's been incredible. Um, and his shot just looks better. It, what's shocking is, like, is there any team that has a better third best player on their team? No. It's Ivy right now at this point, and that's insane. Yeah, yeah it's wild. So uh, if he continues to shoot like that, we, we've got a lot of fun games in store. So uh, I think that'll do it for tonight. For Casey and myself, thank you for listening. Uh, make sure to rate, review, hammer that subscribe button, do all that good stuff, tell your friends, tell your family, uh, listen on multiple devices, do whatever you need to do to pump up those numbers. How all about right. them boilers? Did you see the Brom? How about them boilers? I, I didn't listen to it. It was pretty good. Yeah, it was, it was It was pretty good. It was fun. Good. Sorry I had to abandon you there for a second. All right. Thanks, man. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.